here haven't seen you guys in a, in a hot minute uh i was in uh, new york for a while and was delightfully uh surprised at the vibrancy of the city uh it's definitely not a ghost town people are out and and playing music and congregating but in a safe way uh, i was expecting you, know, you see millions of people you think that some of them are not going to wear a mask everybody's wearing a mask everybody except the woman in front of me on the plane um that was disconcerting and the flight attendant said please put a mask on and she did, but the minute she walked past, she took it off. Now, I was not, it was unbeknownst to me because I was not hovering over the seat looking at her, thought she'd be a good Samaritan. Um, and I was about to say something, and then she busted out. Um, her hand went towards the little monitor on the seat back, and I could see it through the crack in our seats. And she had nails. Now, I'm not talking about little clip-on nails. I'm talking about literally four to five-inch claws this this fucking long i mean it was insane i mean they were pointy so i knew that if i'd said something to her she would have scratched my eyes out i mean no doubt no doubt had a uh a bit of a scary evening i'll share it uh, with you guys once ronan comes on i'm i saw ronan he's a comic that has been new to me i know he's been around what a delightful fellow I saw him perform um, live, I was, you know, in the, in the park at Comedy in Central Park. Super funny and astute, and energized, and um, and Jewish as one would expect. And then I kind of got watching his stuff. I mean, he's been on a lot of shit and done the the you know the late night, the Comedy Centrals and all that stuff. So I'm super excited to have him on on the show. Uh, once again, as always, I'm gonna refresh my page here to make sure that everything is uh, copacetic. I never knew what copacetic really meant. I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't know what copacetic means. I think it means okay. Don't you think it just means everything's fine? I apologize for my very bland background and for my brassiere showing through. These are one of those crew necks. I feel like, and ladies correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have a big bosom, so I don't have to contend with um, a lot of bra issues and back pain, I have back pain from other shit. But for these scoop neck, it's called a scoop neck. For the scoop neck, there needs to be a scoop bra because they have the strapless bars for those that want to kind of cover their titties with like a little tube top. Haven't seen those in a while. They used to have those. Um, I remember there was one time on the Price is Right, this is me aging myself, uh, that a woman was wearing a tube top and she had a huge rack, which was a recipe for disaster. And you know, when they win, they get the prices right and they jump up and down as expected, boom, and then suddenly, you know, the fading. The fading and I'm like keep it on let people see the titties it'll help ratings is prices right still on I mean are any of those daytime game shows on right now is wheel of fortune just doing covid themed covid themed shit one thing I have to say um to the credit of wheel of fortune Vanna White was still flipping those those tiles I think she's probably pushing 60 now of course she's aged well but I, you know in this horrible industry of, of shallowness and and flipping for younger ladies I'm happy they didn't get a new Vanna, a Vanna White millennial clone. They kept with Vanna because I think that that relationship, and I wonder if there was any debauchery between Pat Sajak and Vanna White. Why is my head crooked? Is it the com computer that's like, I'm sitting down, I feel straight, now I feel crooked and I look straight. Okay, I think we settled that. I'm just gonna be crooked and you're gonna have to deal with it. It's a mirror image on Zoom, which also fucks with you. Every time I'm like, why can't I get that now I'm pulling on my right, it looks like I'm pulling on my left. There it is with the scoop. See, I'm, I'm trying to adjust the bra strap and I go to the, the right, the wrong side because I'm looking at Zoom 
as my uh, as my guidepost. It was weird getting back to LA, I have to say, because LA is a is a quiet place in general. Not a lot going on. So after New York and all this this delightful stuff that was happening, it was hard to uh, to adjust. And no, why isn't anybody playing live music here? Got a shitload of out-of-work musicians. Why can't they spontaneously congregate and play in, in parks? I don't care if you're not sanctioned by, by Gavin Newsom, who's got a fantastic head of hair. Did we talk about that already? Good God. I got to tell you, a lot of these, poly- apparently there was a study, there was a, a social psychology study years ago. The United States, a president, if, if two people are running and one of them has a bigger head of hair than the other, the guy with the bigger head of hair will always win. Apparently, the U.S., uh, it's kind of a Samson thing, right? They equate a healthy head of hair with a charisma and a, and a d- desirableness, as many win- women do, too. I don't mind a, a bald head. I mean, as long as you have a good head shape, you don't look like a weird, one of those misfit vegetables that they sell now. You know, you can get an eggplant that looks like a rectum because it's cheaper. You want to save the vegetables. And I got to I look at these vegetables, and they are all demented and look like they have some sort of tumor. I don't buy them. I do like a good-looking vegetable. Call me shallow. I don't mind if my men are weird looking as long as they're alive and they don't have any erectile dysfunction, but I do like a good looking vegetable. I don't want my zucchini to have a, a big bunion popping out of it. It's weird. It feels wrong. So I haven't bought misfits. And if I were debating between two candidates and one of them had a fantastic head of hair that I could imagine running my fingers through and the other one had like the receding hairline with like a little patch of something or God forbid the, uh, the comb over. It's a no-brainer. I mean, are we really voting based on uh, values and, and other shit? I mean, you can't believe anybody anyway. You know, I bought a knife the other day. This is stream of consciousness this morning, folks. I bought a knife the other day, super sharp knife, and it says kosher knife. Now, I don't know if that means you can slaughter animals in a kosher fashion because of it, because apparently kosher slaughtering is more humane. I know that the vegans are going to be like, shut the fuck up, Ray Lynn, but I'm a meat eater. I'm an omnivore. Uh, 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 everything for, I guess it's omnivore. Um, I like me a good steak, but I don't like to watch the cow being slaughtered. I don't like to drive on the five freeway and pass all these cowschwitz as they like to call it in a very dark fashion. Um, the slaughterhouses and the way they're treating the cows. Uh, and I do like a more humane cow that can, you know, play canasta on the grass before um, having their throat slit. So apparently the, um, the kosher way of slaughtering is much more uh, humane and the animal su- suffers less, but then you got to go one by one. I imagine, right? That's why kosher meat's more expensive. You got to physically go. The dude, the rat, is it a rabbi? It's a special rabbi uh, cow person has to personally go and do the deed as opposed to these, uh, what, how do they slaughter cows? Is this a documentary I should be watching? Is it one big, uh, I don't want, why am I thinking about this? Why did I bring this up? I think I'm going to vote early. I'm going to vote. Um, they have a, a thing at the Masonic Temple on 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 Vermont Street here in in Los Feliz. I I went on a date with a Freemason. Freemason. I didn't know they still exist. Didn't know Freemasons still exist. Alive and well. And it's apparently not just a men's club. Uh, it's a club for very any ethnicity, any gender. Even though I'm assuming there's not hordes of ladies going in. It just sounds weird. Freemasons. All I can think about with Freemasons is Eyes Wide Shut, which for a while was streaming on HBO on a regular basis and I kept watching it over and over again. Even though it's, it's not that great a movie, sometimes I watch it and I'll be like, wow, this is a phenomenal film. And the other times I'll be like, this is pretty mediocre. I'm always fascinated by Tom Cruise because he's so mysterious. Uh, besides the Scientology thing, I'm like, what, what does this, makes this guy tick? 
How does this guy function in the world? And Nicole Kidman, you know, um, must have really loved her Aussie roots because she came in and was doing the big star celebrity thing. And then she married that country dude and moved to Nashville or something. Anyway, what's up, my friend? First of all, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, just, um, you know, haven't really left my apartment, but I'm doing okay. I love it. Um, it seems like... Well, I was just going to comment and say, everything is gray, black, and white. Is that, are you a monochromatic kind of guy, or is there like a color pop? Do you have like a red sweatshirt in there somewhere? Oh, in the, cl in the, in the closet? or just Closet, and then your shirt that you're wearing now and the curtain, it all looked kind of gray and black. I was like, this is great. I like gray and black. I find them very sophisticated colors. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess I do do kind of like a darker, um, kind of like maybe earthy colors. I don't know. Is that the correct term, earthy? I don't, I don't know. know. Earthy um, feels more like browns and taupes to me, but I guess if we're in a dark time, gray would be earthy. Yeah, I guess most of my stuff is yeah, pretty dark. You know, I always, I guess I always saw dark as slimmer or something, right? Dark does slim, black does slim. And I guess the opposite makes you look fat, like white makes you look fat. Because I think white and then stripes, you want to go with the, the vertical stripes, not the horizontal stripes. Correct? But so dark makes you look thinner than I guess white brighter clothes makes you look fatter based on that uh, logic, right? I don't know. I feel like sometimes bright colors will put a smile on people's faces and they'll be happy about you being overweight. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's also distracting. It's like, oh, it's a carnival. You know what I mean? It's like a party. Yeah. Well, I, I'd rather people be sad about me being thin, looking thin, than happy about me being fat. Okay. Well, I mean? I'm glad you're looking out for other people's mood. And you're adorable. I like seeing your, your punim, as you, as you Jews say. Thank you. <laughs> now, what's going on? You are a Jew from Kentucky? Did I hear that? Are you the one? Yeah, I'm a Jew from Kentucky, yes, from Louisville. Now, okay, Louisville, okay. Now, what, are your parents originally from Eastern Europe? Like, what the fuck happened there? How'd they find themselves in Kentucky? Um, so, my, my uh, mom's from New York. Okay, that makes Brooklyn, more sense. Mm -hmm. And my dad's from New Orleans, his family's from New Orleans. And I guess they kind of, uh, um, they weren't related, but they had like uh, uh, in-law relations. Do you know what I mean? Like one okay. of them. Some, Someone mom's, was fucking somebody else. Okay. My mom's, um, well, no, no, they're not even related. My mom's uncle, my mom's aunt and uncle lived in New Orleans. So like okay. they would go and visit. So they knew each other when they were younger. And I guess they maybe got set up when they were older. But like at some point they both went to college in New York and they started dating. And then my dad's a reporter, so we just got a job at the Courier Journal, which is a newspaper in Louisville, which is used to be a pretty uh, popular newspaper. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. I love yeah. it. But did you experience yeah. any um, anti-Semitism, or did you go to a Jewish school where the Jews just hung out with each other? I went to a Jewish school, so I guess I didn't experience any anti-Semitism in that school. Unless, unless they had self-hating like, Jews in the school. Self-hating Jew, yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, like... I guess I talked about this in my act a little, but like honestly, people, a lot of people in Kentucky didn't really know what Jews were. They weren't like cultured enough to be anti-Semitic, you know? They were not like world savvy enough. So I didn't really experience a lot of anti-Semitism. Um, you know, and I also think like, I, people didn't know enough about Jews to know I was Jewish, you know what I mean? Like you almost have to be, to be anti-Semitic, you almost have to be like, you have to know a little about Jew. You have to know about last names. You have to know about yeah. what names sound Jewish. So no one was cultured enough to have pretty good Judar. You know what I mean? 
Right. But I mean, you look, you look, I don't want to say you look Jewish. You could also be like Puerto Rican, right? You could pass as other. Maybe I was just so vaguely ethnic. No one was yeah. like, there to get the racial slur wrong, you know? No, I get, yeah. They want to be accurate with their slurring. Yeah. Um, there was a study once, uh, many studies that cultures that are, that don't live near, see, okay, this was counterintuitive to me. People that live in diverse neighborhoods are more racist than people that live in non-diverse. Because I guess you're not encountering the other party, to your point. You yeah. Know, if you don't have, you're not mixing in. I thought that communication and diversity would lead to understanding, but I guess I was wrong. Well, it's like a very unchallenged non-racism. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. Like no one's racist in like Ver uh, Vermont, but there's no one to be racist to in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, you're like discriminating against the kind of tree or ski slope. Yeah, exactly. You're not really being, it's like pro-life people, like they love unborn children, but their love is not really being challenged. You know, it's, the hard part is to love people who are like alive and, and therefore annoying. Uh, and, you know, to love those, which is very difficult because people are t typically so awful. Yeah. It's very easy to love an unborn child because they don't um, exist. Right. I so love my unborn boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's very easy yeah. to do that. Just likewise, it's very easy to be not racist if there's no one around. If, if, if a Jewish person is not coming and haggling with you. Exactly. Or exactly. giving you a stale bagel or whatever. Exactly. Meanwhile, in New York, it's more of a challenge because, you know, you might have a Hasidic landlord. Yes, or you can, the zip code with all the COVID bursting yeah. out of the bar mitzvahs, the bar mitzvah debacles yeah you might be robbed by someone who is of a certain minority not to yeah. say that that minority is more prevalent to rob you but that just happens and then it's a challenge to overcome your racism so i guess if you're not racist in a diverse place it's, it's very impressive much more impressive I'm, I'm with you i'm with you on that i love everybody i've slept with everybody i always feel like if you sleep with people of various ethnic backgrounds you know what i mean as long even if they're not that great in bed but if you're doing it then it, it takes to a level of understanding. You know what I mean? You know, all men ejaculate the same, kind of. So that, that was the proof to me. Yeah, I think that was, I think Martin Luther King mentioned that in his famous I speech. I think he did at some point. It's the untold, you know what I mean? It's another volume of his work. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's all, those are all great points. Um, you know, I think likewise, this is like an untested theory, but likewise, I think, you know, Obviously, out of all the people who are not Trump supporters who hate Trump, I think the most impressive anti-Trump people are the middle-aged white guys with shitty jobs. Yeah. <laughs> they are the ones who, like, refuse racism, even though Trump is appealing to them. Like, it's not easy to be against Trump if you're a minority, because Trump hates you <laughs> anyway. So, like, you know what I mean? It's ultimately, like, that's just survivalism. The really impressive anti-Trump supporters are the ones who are just like that fucking white guy, blue collar white guy yeah. with a shitty job, who, who, who's kind of a loser, who Trump is like appealing to. For that guy to be against Trump, that deserves more. I'll more take it a step further. I think yeah. that what if you're like a proud boy and you're anti-Trump? What then? You know, who do you hang out with at the proud boy parties and the proud boy conventions if you're showing up with a Biden-Harris t-shirt? I guess I'm not sure exactly what Proud Boy, isn't kind of part of being Proud Boy to be pro-Trump? I, I guess I'm not exactly sure. I don't sure. know. I didn't read their latest manifesto. 
I just know that yeah. they all wear the same Fred Perry. Well, like if you're, it's probably hard to be in the KKK if you like. Yeah, I'm thinking KKK. You might be. You know. Yeah. I don't know. It's in, it's an interesting it's an interesting social experiment to go in there and yeah. see if you can read. Did you watch Borat, the new one? I watched it last night. Yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty funny. I, I don't think of it as like I, I always say the last Borat, the first Borat movie was like probably the last comedic masterpiece of a movie. Like I don't think there's been there's been some really funny movies, but I, I think that was like the last. You know, there's certain comedic masterpieces, Blazing Saddles, Big Lebowski. I think that You're was my- comparing it to Blazing one. Saddles. Wow. Wow. I think it it's a different piece, don't you? I mean, it's apples and oranges a little bit, don't you think, in terms of the hidden camera aspect of it? Well, yeah, but they're both comedies about prejudice. Trying right. To make you, right. They're both satires, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think the first one is such a classic. I think this new one is- it was okay. It was a little more cringy than like well written, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like a lot of it was wasted opportunity. I mean, first of all, I was shocked that the people, even if he's in disguise, like that whole thing with the menstruation when she's showing her bleeding hoo ha in that debutante uh -huh. hall. I'm like, mm -hmm. how did they not recognize him? Because he was still fairly recognizable. And I don't know. And then the Giuliani right. thing. I don't think he was about to jack off. I do think he was adjusting his shirt. Call me crazy. And I don't like Rudy. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I could, I, yeah, it seemed like weird that he might have, he was definitely hitting on her, but also like, yeah. you know, I'll say this, this might get me canceled a little, but like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little ageist, honestly, that people yeah. are, I mean, I hate Giuliani, but it's a little ageist that they're like, look, he's coming on to her. It's like, she's coming on to him the whole time. Right. So it's yeah. like, why can't he come back on? And you're really just kind of like, it's gross because he's old. I mean, I guess if he's taking his dick out, that's like skipping a couple steps. Yeah, but, I don't know. I also think apparently she said she was 15, but she didn't, again, I get it, but like, the, the, you I don't know, think she said she was 15. And she think, called over it. I don't think she said she was 15 to him. Oh, I think so. That's why they were trying to get him. Like, I'm his daughter. Uh, it, was like, it was retroactive. Like, mm. or at bursts in and says, that's my 15-year-old daughter. She's too old for you. But um, there's no way he okay. thinks a 15-year-old is like a journalist at a right-wing news. Yeah, movie. I don't know. It, the whole thing felt, I don't know. It felt like it could be like little bits, but a whole narrative feature. And I think he's brilliant. I, I get it. But it is hard right. to, to capture that again. Like part of it was the gotcha aspect of it. It's and also it like, they're, you know, yeah. forcing a narrative. I mean, yeah, no, it's stupid. It's also clickbait. Yeah. First of all, there's much worse things to get Giuliani for. Like, it's also clickbait to, like, say, Giuliani, like, comes on to a 15-year-old daughter. Right. right. Like, she's not 15. She's 24. She's clearly, like, propositioning. I mean, she's clearly, yeah, like... She was all over him. She was all so over him. Like, really, you're just grossed out because he's old. But it's like, you know, it's not illegal to come on to someone who's logical if you're rudy and you're not getting a lot unless it's ladies for hire and you got some yeah. sort of chick hitting on you you're like don't oh, let's go to the bedroom like what might be his last chance to ever there's no other there's not gonna be another 24 year old coming on to him it's exactly I mean, right. give, him a, give him a little bit of a break i mean i guess if he's taking his dick out that's probably maybe skipping a couple steps yeah, but know. as an old guy you kind of have to like give yourself a hand job a little early just to be up for the sex. So he's yeah, kind of just I don't like, think he was up for it. Yeah, I don't think he pop popped, you know, one of those. He's just preparing for it. I actually think that's, I think that's like, I actually take, I can't believe I said this, but I take Rudy's side on that one. Okay, uh, fair enough. You know what, look, it was a tour. I was, when I saw it, I was like, 
because again, everybody's always leaping at, you know, demonizing. And I think he's a monster and I think he's, he lost his mind. I mean, like the man that we all liked in 9-11, I don't know what went down over there. But this particular scenario, I was like, nah, I don't know, man. Well, if I were him, I would be hitting it. If I were him, I'd be hitting that. That's all. Well, it, tri it trivializes his much worse. His nefarious activity. I'm fair enough. Possible he's like working with a Russian agent. <laughs> and it's like, that's much worse than like a woman coming on to him, yeah. deliberately coming on to him to try and have him come on to her. Yeah. And then him coming on to her. Like yeah. that's just. Right. I, really right. I really do think it's ageism. I think you're just like, this is gross to watch. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the oldest guy I ever hooked up with, and he wasn't that old. I can't imagine all those, you know, Hugh Hefner types of those blonde bimbos, you know, sleeping with men in their 90s, but I don't know how much sleeping is going on anyway. Right? Yeah. If you're like 90, it's more like colostomy bag and, and get the catheter. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the Borat thing is like, you know, I love him and I love his older stuff, but I don't know, something about, sometimes it becomes a little... He's not a, you know, he sometimes becomes a little victimizing. I don't, I don't really care about Rudolph Giuliani, you know, that much. You know what, like, I, I, don't, I don't like when people are duped. Yeah, it's not my, even if they're like race, secretly racist, um, I'm glad it's out there. But we know that people are anti-Semitic. We know people are racist. We know that. So I guess that illuminating it through, through this bait and switch kind of thing, it's not as gratifying in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, also it's like, Everyone, Easy. most people know they're being filmed, so it's kind of hard to tell if like they're really letting racism slide or or, or prejudice or fucked up shit, or they're kind of at some point go, all right, this is probably a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a little like it's a little a lot. Of, I, I love the first Borat. I think this Borat movie. I think a lot of people's reactions kind of made sense and weren't really that surprising. Right. But, well, when someone's showing your your bleeding vagina, yeah. you're gonna have a debutante going, "Okay, I'm gonna leave yeah. the room now." Exactly. What is the exact, uh, what's exactly the joke? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, here, take joke. another tampon. You know, you need a best stronger tampon. Yeah. No one was like, I think in the early Borat movie, people really got outraged and it was kind of interesting. But yeah. like, a lot of people were just politely uncomfortable, which is it like. Was. It was like, a, it was like milk toast a bit. I, I haven't seen the other show he did on Showtime where he went as like an Israeli There's some brilliant parts and there's some, un, you know, uncomfortable parts, which is, yeah. you know, part for the course. And I do love it, but I just think, yeah. like, you know, when she goes into that Republican woman's uh, meeting and she just talks about masturbating, right? like, everyone is uncomfortable, but it's not like they're rude. They're just, like, politely uncomfortable. So it's like... <laughs> it's not making the case. <laughs> like, they don't look, you know, but... And I also thought the part with the Holocaust survivor was too much. I didn't see that one. I thought, I, I was afraid that was going to make me too uncomfortable, and I didn't see it. He I just goes into a synagogue dressed as like a Jewish caricature, and Ugh. he talks to this woman who's a Holocaust survivor who's very tolerant. Yeah. But you start thinking, what if she wasn't? What if he just went into a synagogue and traumatized a poor old Holocaust? Yeah, exactly. Survivor? No, I don't. That seems like that, that seems misguided a bit. Can I just yeah. tell you? There was a shooting in my neighborhood yesterday. I'm in Los Angeles, and it was literally a few houses down, like around the corner. Can I show you the video? It, it's yeah. a little disturbing. There's a video, because it was right in front of my fence house. Then you hear the gunshots, and I gotta tell you, the sound of gunshots is so uncomfortable. It's, you have you ever witnessed something like that? Uh, gunshots? Yeah. No, I have not. It's, it, was, it was crazy. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Um, my, my friends were all really shaken up. They were literally right outside, you know what I mean? 
Um, it's hard to see. I'm going to try and show this to you on the thing. Can you see? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to see somebody running across the thing. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if you, okay, there's the first guy. Or is that the guy that's about to shoot? That might, okay, I don't know if I can hear this again. I think he yells, freeze, freeze. Jesus Christ. I mean, this is right outside my friend's house, right around the corner. That's when I joined that citizen thing. I was scared to come back home. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, I, I don't recommend the citizen app. I think it's just kind of... It's dark. I don't know what, if it's going to, you know what I mean? It's just going to, and I turned off the it's alert. Also, I'm like, I don't want the alert. Getting, it's also just other citizens. So I feel like there's a lot of guessing. There's just like, <laughs> I think someone was stabbed, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. And there's such little details, you know? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think it's also, I get really annoyed. You know when I really got annoyed by speculation? I get annoyed by speculation anyway. And I know it's a symptom of this 24-hour news cycle and people trying to fill in. But when Trump got COVID, I got, within, I got so sick of this speculation and this, like you said, clickbait of like, it might get serious. They're thinking it's more serious. I'm like, wait and see. Wait and fucking see. Like, enough with this. It might be this. We think it's going to be serious. We think he might this. It's like, and that's when the speculation, ugh. Also, it's very silly to like want him to die from COVID because then you're wanting a world where older people have a like are going to die from COVID. Like you're wanting a world where even the president can't be saved from COVID, right. which is a world where COVID is. You're kind of wanting a virus to be as dangerous as possible. No, you're right. If you've you're learned right. anything, think about COVID, it that way for sure. For if sure. you've learned anything from COVID, it's that it affects everyone. You can't just like politicize it. I thought all the people hoping he died were just falling into a trap of politicizing COVID. And it just showed you how much Trump has put his scars on everyone. Trump has really made people act like him, you know? Well, I think it was just people seeking poetic justice with the cavalier attitude and total lack of care. But for it's, died. it's like, well, fuck you, dude. I think it came but from there. It's a contradiction because you're like, I'm so mad that Trump has politicized COVID that I'm really glad he got COVID. Well, you're politicizing COVID. No, you're right. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it did bring out, but again, I understood the human nature of it. That I understand the human nature. Freud, you know, but, it's you like. Know, I, but I'm also saying there's certain things of human nature you got to. Yeah. Rise you got to rise above. You're 100% right. I'm sorry about my bra straps. Yeah, this is miracle. I keep, I'm trying to, to be more classy, but these scoop necks don't allow for, see? <laughs> it's okay. I apologize. Um, are you still doing, um, let's segue to some more shallower topics. Are you You're still doing right? um, stand up in the park and stuff? Yeah, but uh, I think it might be uh, coming to an end. You know, it's getting, uh, getting nippy. Old. I'm doing a show tomorrow for like uh, my, my long set, like 45 to an hour. Okay. And, uh, and I feel like it's like the last day. Like it's just gonna be start raining and be so cold after that. No. How long have you been doing stand up? Eleven years, eleven or twelve. And was it always in New York, or did you start somewhere else? No, I started in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, okay. How's the comedy scene? I know they have a great theater, Actors Theater of Louisville. I don't know about the comedy scene. Um, the comedy scene's pretty good. Yeah, you know they had a club. They've had a club there for years, Comedy Caravan, and then. Like when I started out, a lot of alternative venues started opening up and, um, you know, uh, uh, when you have a, sh it's kind of a shitty club. So when you have a shitty club, you have a lot of, uh, I mean, I started there, but when you have a shitty club, you have a lot of like, the better the alternative venues get, you know? Yeah. 
Well, my question to you is, tell me, because did you go to college in Louisville? Did you, like, when did you move? To I went to college in upstate New York at SUNY Purchase. Oh, they have a good acting program. Did you act too? Yeah. No, I wasn't. I was in the screenwriting, playwriting program, which was like a little uh, newer, but it was a conservatory. I was really smart. I paid out-of-state tuition for a state school, and then I didn't graduate, so now I have a lot of loans. Did you get a gig that made you leave school? No, I just kind of started. I dropped out, and uh, actually, I got kicked out. Um, for okay, I got to hear this story. Are you open to sharing that? I am. It's not that interesting, though. It's not that interesting. I spit, but I guess I don't have to apologize because. <laughs> oh, I got it right in my eye there. Hold on. Okay, I got it. It's not that interesting of a story. I, mean, I wish I could tell you I like let out all the laboratory rats, or you know what I mean, or like uh, started a, like a revolution. But uh, uh, we were in a very small conservatory of writers and me and my buddy were really arrogant uh we acted like we didn't we didn't we, we didn't need to be there which is a little silly because we were paying to be there <laughs> you're like i don't need to be here but I, i'm paying to be here dollars a year to uh, act like i was above right. it and uh, i certainly at least he was paying state money so i was right. certainly being silly being above it but it's such a small program there's only 15 people in our program that like uh, behavior of arrogance can kind of like affect the, the mentality of the program and I think right. all the professors are like well if you don't want to be here you know what I mean so then so I think I, I, I think there's maybe one class I didn't do well in but then they just kind of kicked me out <laughs> they kind of kicked me out for attitude and um, that seems like a dramatic move I mean do they have warnings or like therapy sessions or they're just like no you're kicked out like that's a big move to kick a student out but also it's a loss for them financially it's a good point um, okay, maybe they weren't thinking that. Maybe I should have been there to coach them through and go, guys, you're you're missing out here. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, I guess we were. I guess that's how much we were um, not you wanted. Were they, we were so unwanted that they would rather not have our thirty thousand dollars. My thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I guess that must have been really insufferable. I'm you're about so it. adorable. I have a hard time believing that. So let me ask you a question. Um, you, when I saw your set in 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 the park. You talked about doing a lot of drugs for a while. Um, you talked about a joke about having sex with Molly while being on heroin, which I thought was a very funny joke. Um, oh, but how much is based in fact? Tell me a little bit about your, your intoxication and that now you're sober. Like, tell me about that a little bit. So I, I've never done heroin. That's just kind of like a fun little one Okay. Line. I've done Molly three times, but it had no effect on me because I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on antidepressants, and I guess it just, like, prevents your, your body's like, there's only so much you can push us towards happiness. Like, take it down a notch. My body did not have enough serotonin to work with, I guess. Right, um, right, right. But uh, I, I used to be, a, I, I, I definitely had drug problems in the past with um, Adderall, cocaine, painkillers. Okay. Um, my kind of rock bottom moment came. I was, like, pretty addicted to Adderall. Is Adderall the ADHD medication? Yeah. And what does it do? Does it is it like a is a stimulant? Speed. It's like speed. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's it is speed. It is, it is very much speed. Okay. I mean, it's funny because people are like, "Can you you know?" Because you know they used to like prescribe cocaine, right? Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't get that memo. Thirties, yeah. I mean, they used to have it, have it at candy stores, and people are always like, "Can you believe they used to prescribe cocaine?" It's like they prescribe speed now. Like it's right. not like easier, you know. But so. I started out getting addicted to painkillers, 
and then I moved to Adderall. And then one day I, I ran out of my, I had like a prescription that I was like abusing and I ran out and I bought like something synthetic on the street, but it turned out to be bath salts. And I ended up having like a pretty bad meltdown at a, at a Walmart uh, or no, sorry, an eight hour block uh, where I was working. But when you and, take Adderall, you just got it as a prescription as a pill. Yeah. And when you took the bath salts, were you snorting them or was it in capsule form? It was a powder and I parachuted it, which is where you like uh, put in a bag. It's like a powder in a bag. You kind of just drink the bag. Oh, interesting. It's called parachuting? Yeah. It sounds like such a beautiful term, a lofty, magical children's book term, but it's, it's pretty dark. It was, it was a dark children's book. Um, <laughs> parachuting? <laughs> the whole illustrations are just yeah. this guy swallowing bath salts. So after that, I like, Kind of went to the hospital. I got checked into a rehab. Like oh, wow. A, How old yeah, were you? Uh, 23, 24. Were you still living at home? Yeah. So after yeah. college, you came back home. Yeah, I was living at home and I was doing comedy. Okay. Um, and you attribute these addictions to an underlying depression or the crowd you were hanging out with or both? Or like, what was, what do you think when you, now that you're in therapy, what do you think of the underlying causes for that? How do you know? Oh, you know I'm in therapy? Or you can well, I'm assuming. That. I don't know any comic who's not in therapy. Do you know yeah. a comic who's not in therapy? I don't know a single comic who's not in therapy. Yes, but only because I know a lot of comics who don't have insurance. Oh, fair enough. You got to find those sliding scale therapists, those yeah. recent graduates of their psychology program kind of staring at you wide-eyed, going, I'll just charge you $20. It's fine. Student therapists. Uh, student therapists where if you kill yourself, they get an F, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I uh yeah depression I have pretty bad anxiety I, I, I definitely think it was helping mask anxiety and uh you know I also just think I have the, an addictive personality. personality did you um everyone has an addictive personality because it is the whole point of addiction is that like no one's ever like I took heroin it wasn't for me you know what yeah. I mean everyone <laughs> <laughs> everyone has a addictive personality I guess so, so that's the whole if you didn't have an addictive personality, addiction wouldn't be. No, I think that I've never, I've never taken heroin, but I had a friend who did. And I go, how was it? And he goes, amazing. I'm like, there's a reason, right? He goes, it was amazing. So it's like scary. I think I get the people that say. He never do it again? I think he did it for like, they didn't shoot up. They smoked it, I guess. They did it for like six months to a year. And then in high school, in upstate New York, because that'll do it to you. I think anybody that lives in the Buffalo, Albany area is going right. to be depressed. But then I think his friend got into re like OD, like, and that's when it hit him. I think it's like when, you, you know, the vulnerability, when you're like suddenly seeing a friend's demise, that kind of shakes you into reality. And he stopped cold turkey. I don't think it was a withdrawal that was especially. Yeah, there's not much to do in Buffalo besides like go to Niagara Falls and jump off into Yeah, it. I think so. And obviously we're not encouraging that. I, I need to make sure for liability purposes that we're not, you know, it's America. It's a litigious society. Yeah. How involved but were I, your parents in this process? Were they supportive or were they like, oh boy? They were supportive. They were pretty upset. Um, they, my parents had like all these, you know, back in the day they had bookstores where you could sell books and DVDs too, you know? <laughs> and my parents had all these books and DVDs. I think I just sold every single one of them in the house. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That's a very intellectual way of supporting your drug habit. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to like doing BJ's in in an alleyway, you're like, I have a Kerouac and some Hemingway to sell you. Well, it's kind of ironic because like, I feel like a big part of my drug habit was romanticized by writers, you know, like my alcoholism and drugs were definitely romanticized by like, 
you know, like Bukowski and uh, writers like that. So I think like, it was kind of funny. I would start selling the books that made me romanticize about drugs to get the money to do the drugs, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that in general, I, you know, it's terrifying, not terrifying, but there's something about the art. All my jazz musicians that I'm obsessed with, I think they all OD'd on heroin. Weren't they all doing heroin? I mean, everyone. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, do you think, oh, can you create as good as music? Would they have been able to create as good as music if they weren't tripping their balls off? Or I don't know, or they troubled to begin with and then they created this amazing music, you know, like I get that fear of like, can I be as creative and as free, free flowing, you know, if you look at all these greats yeah. that were jacked off their mind. Yeah, I don't know how creative heroin makes you. Uh, according to all the movies, that whenever someone's on heroin, they're never like composing. They're not writing a symphony. Yeah, they're just like, you know, in the corner, <laughs> zombied out. Uh, I, for years I wrote on Adderall, but you know, I, I, I don't think drugs necessarily I think drugs can be a shortcut to inspiration, you know, uh, but I think good writing really comes from discipline and the best writers kind of have to write when they're uninspired, you know, and drugs, you know, a, I, I, you know, as boring as it sounds, I think a routine of writing is more productive than the shortcut of drugs giving you inspiration. I think um, maybe it comes more through in performing. I think that the ability to get out of your head and um, unleash yourself and the ability of drugs to help you do that, I think is what's so appealing to so many performers, right? Yeah. From musician beyond the creativity, it's like there's no filter there stopping you. So you're able to kind of let it flow without judgment. And if you're able to get to that place without anything, great, but it is challenging for sure. I, I also think the writers who tended to romanticize drugs they might have done some great stuff, but they tended to not have the biggest output. You know, like Hunter S. Thompson, I think, really romanticized drugs for me. And he had a couple amazing books, but like it also prevented him from having a lot of great stuff. Like, right, you know, right, right. You know, um, I think, I think the, the people who aren't as addicted to drugs tend to have a longer career, you know. I'm with you, except Keith Richards, right? He's like the one person people go to or like, how is he still staying? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I've never, I have friends here in Los Angeles. Ayahuasca is really big. Yeah. And it's one of those, again, it's like, it's a very, like the psychedelics, right? Which really does open your mind, so to speak, and take you into the subconscious. I mean, it's a whole other level as opposed, and it's challenging. It's not, it doesn't alleviate the pain. It's actually a very confrontate, you know, you really confront yourself apparently. So mm -hmm. you don't take it, you don't take it to escape anything. On the contrary, you take it to yeah. confront. So they well, do it a lot. That, like People do that DMT, which like is yeah. also medicine. Uh, it's also a chemical that your brain produces when you die. Well, that's what ayahuasca has, a DMT. Uh, yeah. Which seems silly to me, because like you don't want to smoke that, and then when you're dying, your last thought is, yeah, it's better the first time. You know I mean? <laughs> Kinda, you're spoiling the movie there, you know? Oh, man, that's fun. I wish I had more bravery to take that shit. I just don't want the purging, the fact that you puke a lot. I don't like to puke. I don't know. Do you know anybody who likes to puke? I really don't like it. I mean, the purging, and for me, more importantly, the being trapped in a hallucinatory nightmare you can't ever escape. Um, yeah, that too, that too. But the puking for me. I mean, the hallucinatory nightmare that you can't escape is secondary. Ayahuasca is some weird shit, too, where you're, like, you're, you're only out for a little bit, but it's some, like, inception time where it feels like 400 years. I don't know. Yeah. I can't do it. I'm not, I don't, I never liked hallucinogenics. I never liked drugs that were actually good for you. I never <laughs> liked, like, hallucinogenics or, like, or, or, or weed, which I guess is not 
very, I always liked painkillers and speed and cocaine. So I always liked, right. I always liked things that you couldn't really. Um, you couldn't justify with any sort of perk. You can't attach to a culture of right. you know, spiritual growth. Uh, but like, uh, there's no like cocaine magazines, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, <laughs> cocaine weekly. <laughs> yeah. But I never liked hallucinogenics. So that was, for me, I always said, I'm not comfortable with this reality. Uh, I'm not ready to rearrange it, which right. when I talk to people, are like, well, that you're, you're perfect for having it. You should, cause you know, but it's like, I don't know. I just don't want to. Yeah. Know. It scares the fuck out of me. Um, yeah. so where are you at? Uh, where are you at in your career? Are you dating right now? Um, yeah, I'm in the dating scene. Yeah. Okay. You don't have a, a steady girlfriend. No, I don't understand. Okay. Or boyfriend. I don't know why I should assume. I had a comic on my show in New York. I used to do shows in New York at Stand Up New York. And I had a fairly well-known comic. And I assumed he was straight. And he wasn't, but he didn't tell me that. So I did a whole interview talking about a she and a special she and a her. And then other people said to me he got really pissed off. And I'm like, well, why didn't he just tell me I'm gay? Like, I didn't know. How am I supposed to fucking know? I shouldn't assume, but I didn't know. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, also the person could just say... I'm gay. Yeah, you can just clarify. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, it's... No, like, uh, we don't like to communicate to the person anymore. We like to just... Bitch about them after. He was not a nice person. On a, on a public setting, yeah. Well, Ranan, I mean, I'd love to, to talk to you more, but I'm going to let you go and, and put some color on, a little color pop. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and I'll have you. I'd love you. If you feel like doing stand-up, I'll have you on the Variety Show once you're free on a Wednesday night. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down, yeah. Comedy. Yeah, I'd love to, yeah. Okay, good. All right, well, shalom, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Great seeing you. Thanks, Bye. bud.